Welcome to the Way Church Podcast. The Way Church exists to love God, love others, and make disciples. You can find out more about the Way Church at thewaychurchrva.com. Now we hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Good morning. My name is Katrina Waltz. Uh, my husband Daniel and I have been members here for about two years. Um, we serve with the Way Kids, which is a lot of fun, and we always need more help, so please let anyone know if you're interested. Um, our passage today comes from John 10, 7 through 11. Jesus said again, truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is God's word. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for bringing us here this morning. We thank you for who you are, what you have done, and are doing. We just ask that you lead us in this time of worship. Minister to our hearts and our souls. Give us rest and reassurance in you and who you are. We thank you, Father. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Church, you may have a seat. As Katrina said, we'll be in John chapter 10. We're continuing this series, God Gives. And as we're in the spirit of giving, we're remembering why we give is because God first gave. And so we've covered a series of weeks, and today we're looking at specifically life. God gives life. And man, speaking of life, y'all looking good this morning. The PJs, I like it. Listen, full transparency, I wore some PJs this morning when we set up. And then uh, I changed. You're welcome. You would not be able to focus. Uh, anyway, well, it's good to be together. Just, uh, my prayer for this time this morning and as we gather again this evening at 5 p.m. for our evening candlelight service, Christmas Eve service, my prayer and our prayer is this just launches us into a spirit of worship as we remember what God has done, specifically in giving and sending Jesus. And so that's what we're looking at this morning in John 10. And as we focus on and look at this passage, just a reminder and reminded this week of how really everyone at some level is looking to live their best life. Life full of maybe power and provisions and purpose. The problem is if purpose, power, and provisions are the point of your life, then those things will be nothing but problems for you because they never fulfill, they never satisfy, they leave you craving, wanting, and desiring more and more. Everyone seems to at some point level at some time want fortune and fame. And it's interesting, those who actually attain those things at some level realize that those even things, fortune and fame, never really fulfill in the way they thought and hoped it would. And it leaves you wanting and desiring more. And then Maybe the, even the right person. Right? We want the, the right person, that special someone. Maybe once we get that right person in our life, that special someone, then finally we'll be satisfied. And just for those marrieds in the, in the place today and those soon to be married, let me give you some encouragement here. That if your expectation from your spouse to be your source of satisfaction, it will leave you with nothing but aggravation. And your spouse. I think we come into the marriage and be like, finally, this person will make us so 
happy. And there will be seasons. I am pro-marriage, in case you were wondering, right? I am for it. The Bible's for it. But if your happy hinges on your spouse, there's going to be some problems. And so when we talk about this full life, and Jesus speaks on this abundant full life here in John 10, the big point that my prayers that we take away is this secret of starting this full life, living this full abundant life now and into the future. One of more than just purpose and power and provisions and even people. It hinges on one person. And this is what Jesus speaks on. Like, all these things are good, but if they're the point of your life and the aim of your life, they're going to leave you empty. But this one person won't. And just context of what's going on here, you got back up to John chapter 9. Now, Jesus is speaking to a group, and some of, within the group are these Pharisees, and Pharisees were those religious leaders of the day. And what he's doing, he's responding to their wrong religious reactions, stemming from him, Jesus, healing a blind man on the Sabbath. And so he starts using this imagery and teaching about shepherd and sheep. And, but what we see throughout the Bible is that the shepherd and sheep imagery is often taught in reference to who God is and who people are. That's what Jesus is pointing to here. And again, there's some debate on how dumb sheep really are, right? Some people say they're super dumb, maybe they're just kind of dumb. They're somewhere in there. But they're definitely dependent animals, desperately dependent animals. Dare I say helpless at some level, which shows the value and the vital roles that shepherds have in the sheep's life. As we know, a couple of things about sheep. Sheep can wander away and be easily led astray into danger. And sheep that stray from the safety of their shepherd become easy prey for predators. They're defenseless. Their defense mechanism is to huddle together, right? That, that's, not, that's not good for the people on the outside, right? The sheep on the outside might be okay if you're on the inside. They're defenseless, dependent animals. And so they're in bad shape without a shepherd who cares for them. And so this is what Jesus points to here in in John 10, specifically John 10, verse 8. He says, all who came before me are thieves and robbers. And really, these false religious teachers throughout history, likely even calling out these Pharisees that he was speaking to, is whom Jesus seems to be speaking about when referring to thieves and robbers. These false teachers who throughout the Bible are widely referred to as this predator type of people, preying on the helpless. And all false teachings, whether it's false religions or even false ambitions, lead to straying while leaving people really vulnerable to praying. I think that demands some some explanation. The false ambitions. Ambition isn't bad. False ambitions are not great. They are bad. And this is what I mean is this this cultural push is basically you do you lifestyle. You do you. Whatever you think is right, you do that, unless, of course, it's widely against the majority of the populace. Or you do you what you feel is right, you do that, unless, of course, it's against the loudest voices. But basically, it's you do you, as long as it just goes with the stream of the culture. Paul talks about this kind of mentality in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul's 
mentioning the truth that our faith hangs on the resurrection of Jesus. Hangs on it. And because of the resurrection of Jesus, that is in all who follow Jesus will one day also be resurrected to life with him. But he says this in John 15, verse 32. He says, if the dead are not raised, meaning some people don't believe the dead are raised, some people doubt and don't believe that Jesus was raised then and now, right? He says, if the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Essentially saying, you have one life, live it to the full. Whatever that means to you, do that because this is all you got. I mean, how hopeless is that? If this is all we have, then live it up. But the truth is, this is not all we have. This life is not all we get. Because then he points to, in verse 33 of 1 Corinthians 15, he says, don't be deceived. In other words, you hear this, don't be deceived, bad company corrupts good morals. Basically, be careful who you listen to. Be careful who you are influenced by. And parents, we know this. We teach this. Bad company corrupts good morals. We often say, don't even know where we got from. Actually, absolutely biblical. But we know this. The more people you hang around, you become more like them. And the more people you're listening to, you could be influenced by. So you'll be careful what's true and what's false. So you got these false ambitions, but Jesus is definitely pointing to these false religions, false teachers. And just to be clear, false religions, anything that adds to what God has already done, or following and putting faith in anyone except Jesus. I mean, that's what the whole Bible points to, is that there is one God who created all people with the intention for them to have a relationship with him, but we have chosen our own way and like sheep have gone astray. And that's what sin is. Sin's like, I hear you, God, but I'm going to do my own thing. Like, my way's better, my plans are perfect, I'm going to do this. And you may have good plans, and they may be all right, but if they're against what God has for you and what God's called us to do, then they are a sin. It's missing the mark. God's expectations, and we missed it. And what's bad, the Bible says that we are hopelessly stuck in our sin. We can do nothing about it. But this is the hope of Christmas, isn't it? This is why we celebrate Christmas, because God did something about it, took off his royal robe as a deity, and put on his robe of humanity, became God in the flesh, born to die. Live the perfect life that we couldn't live to die the death that we were called to, deserved, the payment owed that we couldn't pay because of our sin, taking our place on the cross. Died, rose on the third day, now rules and reign rightly on his throne. And that could be, that's good news, but what makes it better is even in this desperate state that we're in, Everyone who puts faith in him alone has life, has eternal life. I think we forget that sometimes or we don't even see the gravity of it. Because even that should resonate with us. Has life. I don't know what you've been through or going through or what you've done, but you have life in Christ Jesus by faith alone, by the finished work that he did on the cross.
And for some, that would get an amen. I'm just saying. We're like, so sometimes I just want you guys to feel this so much. What this means, if you have Jesus in your life, it changes everything. The gospel isn't just news. It's good news because there was bad news. But you've been pulled out of the bad news by Christ Jesus, by faith, and are made new. This is the good news of the gospel. Your past no longer defines you. Jesus does. He points out these false teachers are like life takers. That's what it is. John 10, 10, a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. In Matthew 7, Jesus tells about the, the wide and narrow gates. Do you remember this? He says, enter through the narrow gate. For the gate that is wide and the road broad leads to destruction. There are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life. And few find it. In verse 9 here in John 10, he says, I am the gate. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and out and find pasture. I love the anyone's and everyone in the Bible because anyone means anyone. Even you and me. Anyone. Anyone who comes in through Jesus finds pasture. It's interesting, I'm the gate. This is a reference to him still being the shepherd because what shepherds would do, they would lie down in the gap of the sheep pen and literally be the gate. So he says, in and out through me, you find pasture. He says, I am the good shepherd. Again, he's comparing here to the hired shepherds. You know, there's hired shepherds that do a job, but they don't really care about the sheep. They're caring about the job. He says, unlike them, I am the good shepherd because the sheep are actually mine. It's not my job. It's my joy because they belong to me. In other words, I'm the shepherd for my sheep. I am the provider and protector of my people. And because he's the gate and the shepherd, John 10, 10, he says, I have come so that they may have life and have it be in life in abundance. And this is the good news I want, and I pray it resonates with us this morning. To have life and have it in abundance. And I see this played out in two ways. Number one, life in eternity. Life in eternity. Jesus says in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world in this way, He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. In John 14, Jesus says, I am the way. He already said, I'm the gate. I am the shepherd. I am the way. The truth. Unlike the false teachings and false leadings, I am the truth. And He says, I am the life the life giver, the life breather. He says the most offensive thing that he's ever said. No one comes to the Father except through me because he is the gate. So life in eternity starts and ends with Jesus. With Jesus, you have life. Without Jesus, you have no life. You have no hope. This is good news that it's available for everyone. This is the gift that we celebrate in Christmas. This is why we give each other gifts, because of the gift that was given to us, to everyone who believes. I just wanted to land on us to everyone, because there's some people that you work with, you're like, even him? People are coming over for, thank, for Christmas, you're like, even her? Everyone. 
Everyone, at the moment they believe, finds Jesus and is saved. But go more than this. So life in eternity is this one-day reality. But there's a second life of abundance that Jesus is speaking to here, I'm convinced, is this life in every day. This everyday life. I want to show you a picture of this guy named Aaron Fotheringham, if we have that. Aaron Fotheringham was, was born with a spinal condition to where he never had use of his legs. But Aaron wouldn't let that stop him. So he was alive, but then he brought his life and started living his life, his life full of living. And so this is Aaron. They also call him Wheels. And so this is him on his wheelchair. And now he goes to this show called Nitro Circus. This is the next picture. This is him about three stories up in there. Wheels. Why do I show you that? One, I think it's cool. I think that's enough, personally. But when I was thinking about wheels, I was thinking about how some of us live, or the lack of living, of our own lives. Like, we kind of go through the mundane routine of life, kind of getting by, ask you how you're doing, I'm surviving. Even Christians, right, we're just kind of getting by and going through the grind of life, and I feel like we're just kind of going through this thing and not living the abundant life that Jesus called us to. I think some of us are just kind of stuck in this wheelchair without movement. But God's given us life and life in abundance, and that's one-day reality, but it's also an everyday reality. That if we really believe that Jesus who he is, who he says he is, and did what he said he did, and did what he actually did on the cross, and that because of what he did, we are who we are. By confessing faith, we're born again, saved, new, secure as children of God to the Most High King. It changes our everyday reality. We actually start living some life, taking some risks for the glory of God. What would that look like? Like if he really is sovereign over all things, all the time is what we believe, what would that look like in your Monday? I'm not talking about Christmas Monday. That'll probably be all right for most. I'm talking about next Monday. Start living life and taking risks for the glory of God. I'm not talking about being dumb. I'm talking about being wise, but being full of faith. What would that look like? I can think it'd be easily missed that the fact that the shepherd only help his sheep stay alive, but actually help their lives to thrive. I think we miss that. God actually wants our lives to thrive. I don't know what you hear when I say that. Because there's been so many false teachings. Like if you believe enough, then you'll prosper well enough. I'm not saying that. God gives, God takes away, blessed be the God. I don't know what he's doing, but I know he is faithful. And he is enough as a good shepherd for his sheep. When the first century hearers would have heard Jesus talking about this, they definitely would have linked this teaching that Jesus was saying of sheep and shepherd to that of Psalm 23. King David wrote, on the inspiration of the Spirit, Psalm 23, and verses 1 through 4 are notable when it comes to what Jesus is teaching here. Verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right path for his namesake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no dangers, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
I just want us to quickly see three things when it comes to Jesus' teaching as it relates to Psalm 23 and even here today and what's left of 2023. Number one, the Lord, our shepherd, provides both for our surviving and for a life of thriving. Notice it says green pastures and quiet waters. That is leading them to good things. These green pastures, it's been known that sheep will eat their way, and if they don't have anything left, they'll basically starve to death, and so they need to be led to different places so there's more green grass to eat. And these quiet waters, if it rushes too fast, they will only be able to drink, but they're quiet waters so they can drink as much as they need. It's funny, as I think about this, I think about the phrase, the grass is always greener. Isn't that the temptation? To compare your life to someone else's life and always want the greener pastures? I wonder when the last time is that you just stopped and just thanked the Lord for how he has provided for you. Maybe it's not like your neighbor, but how he's provided for you. What would the regular rhythm in your lives look like? if that was just the regular routine of just pausing and praying that led to praising God for how he's provided for you. It may not be the abundance that you think you wanted, but God's still faithful. And he's still good. The second thing I want to see here is that the Lord, our shepherd, renews life leading down right paths. And this is interesting. The word in here literally means turn back to the right track. Turn back to the right track and this is a comfort, I believe, that's from the staff. The staff was used when straying sheep to pull them back. Pull them back. All right, let's do this. Anyone have dogs? Who are the dog lovers? All right, yeah. Bless your heart. Your little fur babies, right, when you take them for a walk, you are use those retractable leashes. You know what I'm talking about? Those are good because you can let them have some free reign within limits. But what do you do when they're going somewhere you're not supposed to or there's danger approaching like a dog without a leash? What do you do? I lock it, yank it back, right? You ever see a kid leashes? Do that. But this is a picture of what the shepherd would do with sheep. Bring them back. Bring them back. Protecting his sheep, but guiding them. And how, what a great God and loving Heavenly Father we have that he still does that today. When we stray, he's still gracious and loving enough to bring us back. He does that through various ways. A couple is other Christian men and women in your life. Brother and sister, I see this is happening. How can I walk alongside you? I see that you're struggling. Or if you're vulnerable enough, which we should be, Lord willing, we're having this environment within the church family to bear one another's burdens. And the interesting thing about bearing one another's burdens is that you actually have to share burdens. But we like to say we are all together. Like this morning, walking in, good morning, how are you? Blessed and highly favored by the Lord, right? Isn't that what we do? And your life is burning down. Anyway, we don't have time to go down that rabbit trail. God intentionally puts people in our lives to help bring us back. But ultimately, conviction, the Holy Spirit if you're following Jesus, you have the spirit of the living God living inside you. And when you go astray, you feel the conviction, not condemnation. Not that you're worth this no good. That's not what conviction is. That's condemnation. That's a lie from the enemy. Conviction says you see this thing, come back. Don't we as parents do that with our kids? You see this thing, get away from it. 
the stove is hot, back on up. Don't play in the highway. Come on out, right? We do these things. Turns us back to the right track because he's a good shepherd for his people. And finally, thirdly, the Lord, our shepherd, is with us. I want you to hear that. The Lord is with us. And to this point, he says, there's no reason to fear any danger or darkness. Nothing to fear because the good shepherd is with us. And his staff and rod, they comfort us. The rod's interesting because the rod is what has been used to defend the sheep from danger and threats. Moses in Exodus 14 says, the Lord will fight for you. This is a good shepherd. He fights for his sheep. And he's with his sheep. They say in church talk, a good pastor should smell like sheep. It's, it's important to enunciate that well. But the Lord is with his people. As we see over and over throughout Scripture, the Lord is with us. Isaiah 41, verse 10, do not fear, I am with you. Anyone deal with fear today? If not, wait till tomorrow. I am with you. Joshua 1, 9, he says, haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's a lot of places. And Jesus says, and remember, why? Because we forget. Remember, I am with you always. That's a lot of places and a lot of time. So why do we not fear? Because God, the good shepherd, is with us wherever and always. I think about my kids. As a father, I see this. I have some of my smaller guys are still afraid of the dark from time to time. But you know, in the dark, still afraid, what makes their fear go away is when dad steps in. Nothing else changed. Still dark. They're still in the same room. But if dad is there, their fears go away. Because of who their dad is. I see this with my daughter, just turned three. Who's still wildly afraid of any other man. And so as soon as a man walks in the room, she hides behind her dad and grabs my leg. But I'm reminded when I see the fear of my kids and what their reaction is, shouldn't that be ours? clinging to the Heavenly Father when fear slips in. It's not, do not fear, so don't ever do it. It's when you fear, run to who your Father is. Run to the Good Shepherd, who is Lord, who is ruling and reigning as King right now. Man, if we really got that, fear would really start ceasing in our lives. I wouldn't say me not existent because we're still battling with this humanity. But what do you do? You take every thought captive to obey Christ. So when these lies creep in, what do you do? You run back to the Lord because you know fear is not from God. Faith is. What we see and we, we know just practically is fear is life-taking. But what I want us to see is faith is life-giving. Fear takes life. Just think about it, how much fear has just consumed you at times and really limited the things that you could have done because you're too scared. Is that just me? All right, that's just me. There's things in my life I was too scared to do, and looking back, I kind of regret not doing some things. But what would it look living life of faith? I say again, taking risks for the glory of God. What would that look like? 
But again, many of you know, me and my family are involved in this BMX community, both racing and freestyle riding. And I'm just amazed at some of the risks these guys take. If you don't know much about the BMX community, it's vastly lost. Pretty dark undertones. Great people, many of which do not know the Lord. And yet I see these young men and young women take wild risks out of faith in their own abilities. I mean, jumping off jumps two, three stories in the air, flipping and all these crazy things. I'm thinking, man, how much more? If we were people of faith, the risks we would take. And again, I'm not talking about being crazy. Not everybody's going to go jump off a jump. But what would your life look like if you lived out the bold faith that Jesus called us to because of who he is, not because of who you are? And I keep going back to that. You're great folks, no doubt. Many of us, I can affirm, right? Great folks. But compared to who Jesus is, we fall miserably short. But that's not the point. The point is because who Jesus is, we are now grafted, chosen, elected into him and his righteousness. And now he's our daddy. He's our father. He's the good shepherd. He's the one that goes before us, goes behind us, goes with us. And he's where our faith is in, not our own strength, abilities, talents. It's in him. How much would that change your perspective? How much fear and anxiety would be erased if we really just continue to fight our thoughts and push into fear and faith in Lord Jesus because of who he is? I go back to Jesus is still actively guiding and guarding his sheep right now. And that will never change. But practically, this looks a few ways. Amongst many, but I'm going to give you a couple ways. Jesus right now is guiding by the power of God's word and God's spirit. Giving life of thriving to his sheep. God's word and God's spirit. We see this in John 10. Jesus says that he calls out to his own sheep by name and leads them out. Don't miss the intimacy where he knows his own sheep by name and calls them out. He says the sheep follow him because they know his voice. So the good shepherd knows the sheep and the sheep follow him because they know him but know his voice. They know who the true shepherd is versus the false teachers, the false shepherds, the shepherd in wolves clothing. They know him. How do we know him? God's word, God's spirit. How do you know what's true and what's false? God's word, God's spirit. And you only have God's spirit for those who come to Jesus by faith. But God's given us his word to know him and really for us to see ourselves and our need for him. We wouldn't even know how desperate we are without God's word to reveal it to us. And the only way that's revealed to us is by the spirit working in us. And this is what leads to repentance and faith, which is a good thing. Repentance is not how miserable, awful I am, there's no hope. Repentance is how miserable, awful I am, but there's hope. And because of Jesus, Jesus deemed me not miserable, not awful, and show, proved his own love for us, and that while we're still sinners, Romans 5, 8, Christ died for us. How valuable are you that Jesus paid the price for your sin and my sin? So still actively guiding by God's word and God's spirit, and he's act actively guarding by the power of his presence. I mean, let's go back to the Great Commission that we refer to in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Real quick. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. You know what he's saying there? One, all authority given to him. Everywhere. 
Is there anywhere outside of heaven and earth? That's it. That's all we got. All authority everywhere is Jesus's. And he says, go. Isn't that wild? He starts off with, this is who I am. Now you go. Because of who I am. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Go, therefore, and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go, therefore, and teach so that they can observe all I've commanded you. And he says, remember. Okay, he says, all authority has been given to me. Everywhere. And remember, I am with you always. Man, let that impact the rest of this Sunday for you. Let that change how we view this coming week. All authority, I am with you always. There's nothing to fear. Start living your abundant life in Jesus now. That's what he's saying. It's not someday reality, which it is, but it's an everyday reality right now for those who know Jesus and follow him because of who he is. This is life-changing. And again, the point isn't how desperately dependent sheep we are. I don't think that's the point. I think the point is to highlight how high Jesus' love is for us, his sheep. It's about him. And this is why we celebrate Jesus. It's not the celebration that Jesus was born. That's not what we're celebrating. We're celebrating that Jesus was born to do. That's what we're celebrating. It's the to-do part. Jesus was born to do. He was born, as he says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The good shepherd dies to save his sheep so that they may live. The real threat that we all have, this terminal condition, is sin. And the only way that we can be cured from our sin I'm not saying perfection. Saved from the consequence of our sin is through the good shepherd laying down his life for his people. And it's available to anyone, everywhere, at any time. And this is what we're celebrating at Christmas. This is about dead people coming to life. It's as Ephesians 2 said, I was once dead in my sins and trespasses. We were once dead in our sins and trespasses. But by God's grace, we're made alive in Christ Jesus. This is what we celebrate at Christmas. This is why we give gifts to one another, because of the greatest gift that's ever been given to us. That's Christ Jesus, him himself. And this changes everything. I'm going to ask the band to come back up, and we're going to close like we do every Sunday and responding to what God's doing in this place. And God does a variety of things in each of our lives as we gather together as his people to focus and worship him. And so I don't know what God's doing in your life, but you do and he does. And I'm going to ask you to respond to that, whatever that looks like. In this church, we provide space for you to respond. That could look like standing and singing praises to God as we sing this last song, which is a perfectly natural and good response. But it could be that you sit and just pray and be honest with the Lord, what he's revealing to your own heart in this time. I know Christmas can bring up a variety of emotions in a lot of people. For some, it's very exciting. For many others... Not so much. It reminds of hurt and loss. I just want to remind you that there's a good shepherd, a loving father who cares for his people and that you're never alone and you never weren't meant to be. He is present and with you and loves you desperately.
And you have value because of who he is, because who he says you are in him. So maybe you're led just to pray with some folks around you. Pray by yourself. We'll have a prayer team to the side. We'd love to pray with you, pray for you. However, God's moving and working in your life. And maybe for the first time, you've heard a lot about Jesus, you know a lot about Christmas, but today is the day that you finally have seen that God's shown you that I've been living for myself. I see the need to live for Jesus. I'm placing my faith in him alone for life, for the forgiveness of sins and eternal life with him. I invite you to respond to what God's doing in your life. I'm going to close with this prayer. I invite you to pray with me. I'm just going to read this prayer, and it comes from Hebrews chapter 13. Now may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, equip you with every good work to do his will working in us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you for being our good shepherd. Father, I just pray that by the power of your spirit, you just move in this time, in this place, and just refresh, renew, replenish, tired and weary souls, hearts, minds, that you bring comfort and peace to many who are just searching for it and looking for it right now, Father. There's many of us who, are, who know you and love you, but we're hurting, and so I just ask that you just move in an amazing way just to heal the hurt that so many are dealing with. That you heal the hurt and devastation is feeling and sensing of loss, which is a reality of loss that so many are dealing with in this time that should be so celebrated of what you gave. But the reality is that we lose people. We lose things that we love so much, and it hurts. And so I pray that you just move in the only way that you can. And as you bring joy, even in the midst of grieving, that you bring joy because of who you are. Father, I thank you for being such a good, loving Father. We thank you for being in this place. Thank you for bringing us here today. And I pray that by your spirit, you continue to refresh and encourage our hearts. Thank you for listening to the Way Church Podcast. If you would like prayer or if you'd like to talk to someone about a personal relationship with Jesus, please contact us through our website at thewaychurchrva.com.